Hello and welcome to another episode of The Wannabe Entrepreneur. Can you say it with me? The podcast about what's really like to bootstrap a company. Very well, very good. You already know it by heart. You are really great listeners. I have a lot to talk about today. Mostly project updates and tips and tricks. I'll be talking about indie offices and how the launch didn't go as planned. It's part it's part of the journey, it's part of being an entrepreneur. Some things work, some things do not work. But I want to share the whole journey with you. Hashtag building public. <laughs> and uh, I want to speak about the fact that I increased the price of the community. I already told you last episode. But uh, yeah, I want to tell you how that's going. And uh, in the end, I will give you some tips and tricks about what it takes to build a product. And uh, it's basically all the knowledge that I've gathered from my own journey and from my interviews. And uh, I'm always thinking about this. I'm always trying to organize my thoughts. And yesterday, I actually wrote it down in my whiteboard. By the way, if you are a true entrepreneur, you should definitely have a whiteboard. It's really, really helpful to organize your thoughts. And now that my thoughts are perfectly organized in my whiteboard, I feel capable of sharing them with you and i hope you find it useful before we start i want to give a huge shout out to my 600th twitter member his name is peter meek i guess he's not a member twitter follower peter meek so his handle is at the peter meek he is an indie developer into micro startups and he is also a dad so it's always hard being a dad and also an entrepreneur. A lot of the members in the WB space are also parents. And uh, yeah, I know it's hard. So yeah, thank you, Peter, for being the 600 member. I was uh, complaining a bit on Twitter because it was taking so long to reach this 600. I was bouncing between uh, 599, 98, 97, and then finally i got to 600 so that was really really nice and uh, I, i'm really looking forward to reach 1000 followers i don't know why but uh, you know it's just this nice round number all right enough with this introduction let's get started with today's episode i was just reading something really interesting on indie hackers um post by Davidson Voorhees and it's called Success Stories Suffer from Survivorship Bias and I'll share it in the show notes of this episode. Basically speaks about survival bias. I've spoken about it in this podcast. I also have written an Indie Hackers post that actually got a lot of traction, more than 40 upvotes, which is really nice. And it speaks about the fact that uh, you only hear the survivor stories, so the success stories, because they just pop up in your radar because they mostly have much more traction than the other stories. But in reality, they are much more uh, quote-unquote fatality stories of people that didn't find the success that they wanted, but you just don't know about it. So you tend to feel a little bit alone. And one really interesting story that Davidson shares in this post is the story of the warplanes. So after a battle, 
the warplanes, the World War II planes, would return to the base and they would come filled with bullet holes, right? So he shares an uh, image with the chassis of an airplane and uh, as an indication of the bullet holes, he shows red dots. And his question is very simple. If you were the engineer of this airplane, which parts would you reinforce? The ones with the bullet holes or the ones that are completely damage-free? And my first thought was, okay, obviously, I want to reinforce the one with the holes because those are the most affected areas. But he says otherwise. What he claims is that only the survivors actually returned, which means that these planes that return, they were able to withstand damage in those affected areas and they could still fly. Unfortunately, the ones that got damage in the other areas, the areas that have no red dots, they didn't return. They were not the survivors. So we should actually reinforce the less damaged planes or the de less damaged areas because those are actually the areas that cannot withstand damage. I don't know if I explained this properly, but you can just read the post. It's very, very interesting. And um, speaking about indie hackers, I've been as I told you, using Indie Hackers as a source of marketing, a source to attract a lot of listeners to my podcast, a lot of members to my WB space. And I've recently now kind of used a different approach that is really, really nice, which is I answer posts with uh, content from my podcast or from my community, which is really nice. So this means that you don't actually have to write posts every time to get some traction coming from indie hackers, you can just contribute with your own content in uh, some other posts. And I have almost 200 episodes in my podcast, so I have a lot of content to share. In this case, for instance, in the survivor bias, I could just link to a post or link to an episode from my podcast where I spoke about survivor bias because I have a lot of those. Actually, in this one, I linked to my indie hackers post, the one that I just mentioned. And it's really good because uh, you have so much content, right? You write tweets, you have a podcast or write blog posts, whatever. It's really important to just reuse this content. Take much from it as you possibly can because it's really important. I mean, every user really counts. Speaking also about my podcast, I want to give uh, some um, updates on the statistics because I, I don't think I have spoken about my podcast project for some time now. I have to say that obviously, I think I told you this before, January will be a tough month to beat because it was the month that I actually interviewed uh, Peter Levels and it, it made a huge, huge difference. I can really, really see a peak on the number of listens I had. For instance, I'm just now checking my dashboard and I've shared this dashboard on Twitter. So if you follow me on Twitter, you can see I sometimes just share my dashboard, my analytics, my stats. Anyway, I think I told you before that it will be really hard for me to beat the numbers from January because that's the month when I interviewed Peter Levels and it was huge for me. I really got a big, big bump in downloads just for you to understand in the weeks previous to having this interview, I had about 200, 250 average downloads per week. And then in the week I interviewed Peter Levels, I had 800 
85 downloads just in that week it's a huge huge growth and then in the weeks after i still had an above average number of downloads so the next week i had almost 700 the other one 400 and uh, however of course it's going a little bit down and it's normal right so when i first thought okay i'm going to interview peter levels or even before when i was interviewing kcd or arvid people with big big followership big accounts i always think okay this will be the life-changing event that will bump my podcast to the top podcast in the world whatever because it's you know peter levels is really almost the peak of the bootstrapping world is like one of the top bootstrappers on or one of the top influencer in the bootstrapper and twitter community has a lot of followers and so on but what happened is not like this so when you interview a big account when you get retweeted by someone big or you are number one in product hunt you always see a huge bump but then it kind of normalizes it's really rare that you'd see a bump and just would start growing exponentially I, I at least i don't think that's even possible not not for me or my scale anyways but you can definitely see that there's a retention of users right so before as i told you i was having an average of 200 downloads and now it seems that kind of stabilized and i'm having an average of 430 450 downloads which is great it's a 100 percent growth before since before peter levels really really amazing this means that there is some retention in my podcast right so i was able to get a lot of listens from this interview a lot of these listens are or i guess most of them are really my target users and i was able to retain a lot of them really really nice super happy obviously that is not growing like crazy it has normalized i just have to keep on doing the work but my audience has grown and that's really, really nice. My plans for the future are to keep on interviewing people in the bootstrapping world. And it's quite funny because now when I interview some entrepreneurs here in the podcast, they quite often mention other names that I have interviewed before. So it really feels that this is a small world and I'm really able to interview a lot of the key players in the bootstrapping scenario on at least on twitter i have recently interviewed giordano from just media which is a completely different style of entrepreneurship he's a youtuber is not on twitter as much and uh, even though it got now i think about 100 downloads it's again proving that even though he has a big account with I think 100,000 followers as well on Twitter and uh, almost 1 million on YouTube, it's still really hard to capitalize on uh, this kind of outside my bubble interviews because most of the people that listen to Juice Media content are not entrepreneurs. So there won't be a lot of people coming and listen to his entrepreneurial story and uh, also really important most of them won't stay and become regular listeners of this podcast because they are just not that interested in uh, entrepreneurship still for me personally i love to interview people that are outside of our bubble because it's also more challenging for me it's more interesting for me and also i find it that it might be really interesting also for my regular listeners to get some known bootstrapping stories or 
people that are not from Twitter. It kind of keeps things interesting. So I will always try to bring some uh, quote-unquote outsiders to the podcast, but really to grow my audience, that's what is working for me. I have my own freestyle episodes and... Uh, this is where I keep my audience engaged. This is where I build my own brand. And then I have my interviews. And these interviews must be in the bootstrapping scope because that's my target group. And that's where I see the bump in views. Obviously, the bigger the bootstrapper I interview, the bigger the bump. And that's something that I'm always trying to achieve. Try to bring people that are really big on Twitter and they have a lot of bootstrapper followers. That's it for the updates on my podcast. Now let's switch to the Indie Offices project. I told you last week that I was doing a proper Indie Offices launch. And with that, I mean that I was basically sharing it around. I went on Twitter, Indie Hackers, Reddit. I tried to bring a lot of traffic to the website. And when I mean a lot of traffic, it's really a couple of hundreds. It's not like thousands because I'm not that big, but it's still good to get an idea of uh, if people like it, if people don't like it, what are the traction and so on. I have to say it was definitely a disappointment. I shared it around. Almost no one actually registered and tried out the product. I had a couple of people doing so. For instance, Olu, I interviewed here in the podcast. He said that it would be interesting maybe for his community. He tried it out. He said, okay, sorry, this is not what I was hoping for and uh, you end up not using. Besides that, the two communities that were testing it before, so Code Swaps and uh, Indie Worldwide, so Anthony from Indie Worldwide, again, I also interviewed it here in the podcast, they just, after testing it for, uh, I think, two weeks or something, they end up saying, sorry, Tiago, there's no engagement, people are not interested in this product, so I will have to uninstall the app from my Slack. It's sad, because I thought it was a good idea. In the community, in the WB space, we use it a lot. Almost every day I'm there working with others. So it's really interesting to see that it works for us, but it's not working for others. My theory is that this requires a lot of cultural building. So in the beginning, I had to use the tool myself. I was most of the times alone there, which is fine because I have music, I have the Pomodoro timer. So it's also bringing value even if I'm alone, but it took some time to build the community around it. And that's what other people have to do. I would need to sell this to people or company that already have this community around it and they are willing to put the work and to motivate people to go to the virtual office. I tried to come up with this feature I don't even remember if I told you about this in the last episode, but I have this feature that basically it sends daily notifications to the Slack channel, and it's kind of a bot that gives you some tips and tricks on how to use the indie offices, but again, that didn't work so so well. So I kind of dropped indie offices, at least for now. I won't be spending much time trying to get customers. I will only work on feature requests for my own community. And one thing that I've been noticing is that there's people using it every day, but they quite often use it in different times. And since we don't have still a lot of users, we are about 30, 40 active users in a daily basis, it's hard to match the time. So quite often I see some of the members there alone. And some of the ideas that we have are kind of coming up with the schedule or a calendar where you can define, okay, I'll be in the virtual office 
this afternoon or something. But everyone is also in different time schedules, which is really hard. I will probably try to do something in that regard, try to find a way to make it more usable so that people can match their schedules. But I think it only will get better once I get more members in the WBE space. And this is, again, a great bridge for the updates on the WBE space. As I told you last week, I decided to increase the prices. I actually doubled it. So before it was four euros per month, which is about, I think, five dollars or so. And now it's double it. So it's eight euros per month. And now I'm starting to think that maybe this was a mistake because previously I had about two, three people joining every week. And uh, actually, when I double the prices two people joined with the new prices and i was hoping that okay this will just continue like this but since then no one joined and this past week as you could see by in the beginning of this episode i didn't introduce any new member of the community so i'm getting a bit worried because there's still people coming to the website there's still people coming to the buy me coffee platform but they are just not signing up so maybe this is just too big of a price and people are not willing to come to the community which really sucks because it was growing before and i kind of feel that i'd ruin it because i could have kept it for four euros maybe for a bit longer because i don't have that many members yet and i, I it could grow maybe to the hundred members so it might have been a mistake and uh, it's okay i mean i will continue a little bit one more week just to figure things out and see if the conversion rate uh, kind of keeps up. Actually, yesterday I calculated the conversion rates based on the old prices, and they were not that bad. In fact, 3% of the people that come to my landing page end up becoming members, which I think for this kind of product, uh, membership where people will be paying monthly, it's quite good. I, I could even maybe do some uh, ads or I could just invest in marketing and bring more and more people to the community and 3% of them would uh, join. So in every 100 visits to the page, 3 would become members. And I still don't know how long they become members because not a lot of people have quit, which is really great. So this kind of means that people might stay member for, let's say, a year and this brings about with the, again with the old prices 40 euros or actually more almost 50 euros per year and uh, for the and obviously with the new prices this would double it so 80 euros but it's really good right three percent of the people that come to the page become members and they would invest at least 40 euros and i don't have a lot of costs so i just have to keep on bringing people to the landing page and uh, yeah till i basically get the whole market and the more members i have the the, the more trust i got and i get more people joining maybe i ruin it with the double of the price to the eight euros i'll keep you up to date if i did i just have to roll back and reduce a little bit the prices and uh, probably compensate the ones that paid eight euros i don't know I'm just uh, bouncing ideas here with you. I really think that it values the eight years. People are really engaged. People are learning a lot. We have events. We have a lot of things going on. So I would just 
keep bringing traffic to the landing page and uh, hope that uh, I will keep up with the conversion. Maybe I can adjust a little bit the landing page or find some ideas to increase the conversion. But for now, I will keep the eight euros and uh, let you know about it. Still in the WB space topic. After the indie office project kind of fail, I kind of realized that I should maybe focus 100% in the community for now. I know it's going to be hard because I won't always want to build new stuff, but this is actually what's bringing money. And if I want to come up with a salary, maybe it's time to focus in scaling this business into a profitable one, something that can actually pay the bills. And only after that, focus on other stuff. And uh, this is hard again, because I already am planning some other ideas and some other cool products, but I should definitely focus most of the time in the community. I guess that me as a developer, I always wanted to build something that was more tech related. And uh, I was feeling that building a community, which in the end, is not a tech product. It uses tech. We have the virtual office, we have a wiki, but is not a tech product. And managing such a community doesn't require a developer. It requires someone that uh, is able to chat with the members, creating events, doing some marketing. But this is the product that is working, is a product that I'm passionate about, that I like. I really believe that we can help other developers to succeed, to have higher chances of succeeding at least. So yeah, that's kind of my realization that I have to focus more in scaling this business to the next level. And uh, yeah, even though it's not a tech business per se. I don't know, this is just something that I've realized only now. Sometimes you are just building and working so hard that you don't take time to chill and put your ideas in order. This is actually why I have this podcast. It's my time to rest and think. And that's also why quite often I re-listen to these episodes because it helps me to take some time for myself and to think on what I am doing next. We also had another event last week. It was really nice. It was a WB event. And uh, the idea was for all the members to just go around and share their uh, marketing experience, what channels worked best, what channels didn't work. And we covered all types of channels. We covered SEO, Twitter, Reddit, everything really paid ads. So that was really nice. I think everyone learned from each other. So it was a very successful event and uh, the WB Labs is still going on. I don't think we'll be able to deliver it by the end of February, but I think that's completely fine. We are just doing this as a way for us to learn and uh, we're definitely learning a lot how to work together as a community, how to manage people with different time slots and uh, working asynchronous. So it's definitely a very, very fun event and we are learning a lot from that. And that's the project updates of today's episode. I don't have much to share in regards to the lifestyle of the entrepreneur, which normally is a good thing. When I share things with you about 
my well-being are often not so good it's kind of my way of venting so if i have nothing to share it's good thing and i felt good this past week no major low moments i still hoped that i would be able to get out of the house more and get some exercise going and get some uh, routine i think it's really important to get the routine something to look for every week because being an entrepreneur is so hectic and there's always things going on and it's really hard to have one single thing or one single routine so having things that you can control i find it to be really helpful so I was still not able to do it, still not able to get uh, sport going on or something in my routine to do every week. But yeah, definitely something that I'll be working on this week. And I keep on saying this, but I don't know. It feels like a really like invisible barrier to be able to cross that. I just have to force myself. But yeah, that's everything I want to share about the lifestyle of the entrepreneur. Let's go to the last section I told you about the um, tips and tricks for entrepreneurs. And as I told you, I kind of sat down yesterday to organize my thoughts about what it really means building a product, what are the different segments, and I want to share that with you. And maybe this will be nothing new for you. Maybe it's something that just makes sense and you already knew. But sometimes I feel that there's a lot of knowledge in us, in our experience, but we don't really appreciate it. We don't organize it. And uh, that's what I want to do today with you, to organize my thoughts. And I want to speak about the three key elements to build a product. And these three key elements are product building, marketing and business. And let's go into each one individually. But before, I just want for you to visualize how they overlap. So imagine like a Venn diagram with three circles that all intersect in the middle. And these circles have different proportions. They are not all the same. And the proportions also change depending on the phase of the product that you are, right? So maybe when you are more in the beginning, the marketing and product building are bigger than the business, but then the product building actually gets smaller and the marketing gets bigger together with the business. Let's go into each one of these sections, starting with the product building. It's always easier to fix your own problem because then you become your first customer and you really understand your needs but either way you always have to speak with others sometimes you think that it is a huge problem but just because you're biased and you really don't want to find a solution so what i often do is i go on reddit i go on forums i ask around within my friends or the target group it's really important to interview other potential customers and understand if this is really a problem and then you have to come up with a solution. You have to come up with a solution for this problem and build your MVP, build the features that your MVP will require. And this MVP, the whole purpose of it is just to validate the problem and validate the solution. You want to see if there's actually people coming 
to use your product. So when you share it around, you want to see people coming to your landing page. And that's how you validate the problem. And then you want to validate the solution by having people actually using your product and sticking with it. You need to check metrics like retention and uh, engagement in your app and so on. In the product building areas, you have your tech lead, you have your developers, your designers, your product managers. Also, again, in the, if we think about the overlap, you also have the business people and the marketing people because they can always give you feedback, right? So a lot of the marketing people will be helping interviewing the customer and audience building so they really understand the needs. So they have to give this information to the product managers maybe and the tech leads and so on. And then you, of course, have the business people that... Uh, and when I say people, when you are an entrepreneur, you are basically wearing all of these ads, right? So it's only you. You just have kind of different personalities. But uh, if you're a bigger team, I guess you have uh, more uh, members. So the business people will be giving feedback on what business might work and what business might not work and uh, what the number of clients or users you need to have to make certain business models work. And that will definitely change the way how you build the product. Once we have your MVP, it's time to focus on the marketing part. The marketing part was already working in parallel, so it's really great to start building an audience from day one. It will really help you then when you're doing the launches and uh, everything related to that. But once the product is ready, is the responsibility of the marketing quote-unquote department to bring traffic to your website. And this means sharing it on Twitter, sharing it on Hindi hackers, sharing it on whatever forums. Actually, I'm, I'm saying these forums because these are the forums for my where my tar target group hangs. But you need to identify who are your target group, where they hang mostly, how to best distribute the product to them. And you just have to do this. It's a lot of work. And I have to say that uh, the moment your MVP is done, I think marketing is like 80% of the work and developing is it's much, much less. One of the big mistakes that I've made and a lot of developers do is we just want to build. We come from the software world and we are good at building. We are good at the product building and we try to solve the marketing problem, which means bringing more users, increasing engagement and everything with new features. We think, okay, maybe they are not coming because there's no feature A or there's no login or there's no something. So we keep on building features and then we get demotivated because of course this is not solving the problem. We should be focusing mostly on marketing. We do your launch and you keep on bringing people, you keep on getting the feedback and again this is where the product and the marketing overlaps and uh, it's really a lot of work. I'm now for the WB space mostly focusing on marketing and this is a full-time job. I have to answer comments on indie hackers. I have to schedule a lot of tweets. I, I'm doing the podcast, which is kind of part of marketing. I, I need to understand the Reddit and the product hunt to do my launches. It's, it's really a full-time work. If you're a B2B, you need to do sales, you need to email, you need to get so much things going on it's really a lot of a lot of work and uh, i think that marketing really becomes a crucial part of being an entrepreneur a part that 
not a lot of people like, but it's really, really important. And then you have the business side. And the business side is when you sit down and you try to see your conversion metrics. You try to see how many people are actually paying for the product and uh, what's the conversion rates from people that visit your product and people that actually buy it. And then you need to make the calculation and uh, to see if it's profitable. A lot of the times you figure out that your product won't work from the business side. And you can see, for instance, my, my example with Change It, my climate change app. I realized that uh, I would need a lot, a lot of users to actually make a profit. And unfortunately, with my current scale, it's really hard to reach this amount of users. Big startups, what they normally do is that they invest tons and tons of money in marketing on ads. But as a bootstrapper, I don't have that. So my business department, which is basically me, said to myself <laughs> that it's not viable to, or it's really, really hard. I don't want to say that it's impossible. It's never impossible. But it's really, really hard to succeed with this business model because I would need a lot, a lot of users. And unfortunately, I don't have those users. So this is where the business comes along. Of course, that it really depends on how complex your product is. Sometimes you need to have operations as well, right? So let's take the example of Gorillas or all of these Uber apps where you need to deliver. There's a lot of operations. You need the customer service. You need uh, to make sure that the product is there on time, that the food is warm. So maybe there's also this part that I don't know of because I've never built a product that required this amount of operations. But I think that this is somehow also included with, within the business section and uh, the business section can be bigger or smaller depending on the product. And that's basically it. You always have to keep on managing these things. Marketing is giving feedback to the product building. Product building is building the new features to help the marketing and to help the business. And uh, that's my take on what it takes to actually build a product. And it's really important for you as an entrepreneur or a solopreneur really to understand that you need to do all of these sections. You need to learn all of these sections or you need to hire someone to do it for you. You cannot only focus on one of these sections because that will not work. I don't know if this is new for you. It really helped me to see things in this perspective. I know it feels weird because I'm doing this for more than seven months and really I've been an entrepreneur all my life, at least in spirit. But I don't know, sometimes I just have these realizations and it really helps to visualize things differently and uh, yeah, that's what I've learned from my interviews and from my own experience. And these are the tips and tricks for you today. If you have any questions, if you want to share your opinion, DM me on Twitter. I'm always ready to chat with you and to get to know other people. So the link will be also in the description or you can just go to WBE Podcast. That's my handle on Twitter. This was today's episode. So let me just give you the closing remarks. First of all, do you want to support this podcast? Do you like it? There's two ways of doing so. First of all, share it around with your entrepreneur friends, tweet about it, create an indie hacker post about it. This will really, really help me. And uh, you can help me by buying me a coffee. I'm not making any money. I don't want to do ads. So that's a way of supporting buying a coffee or of course, joining the WBE space, which is a great space. It's a product of its own, 
but it's somehow related and you also be supporting the podcast and you'll be joining a community of entrepreneurs bootstrappers from all over the world super active community there's messages every day people working together and it's a great place to be at and the link will be also in the description also if you're a freelancer you, you don't have any product at the moment that's completely fine a lot of the members that are working in the wb space they are not building anything they are just maybe freelancers working remotely and they come to get inspiration and to learn how to be a bootstrapper so you can always come and it costs eight euros per month and uh, i'm looking forward to see you there there's another interview coming up this thursday it's going to be really interesting i have a lot of them recorded so i still kind of have to decide which one i release but all of them are amazing so you just can go there and listen this coming thursday this was another wannabe entrepreneur see you next time